Hello, my name is Anthony Borelli, and this is the QC Podcast. The QC Pod features the people, projects, movements, and ideas that make up the Queens College community. To learn more, visit us at queenspodcastlab.org slash qcpod. On today's episode of the QC Pod, Catherine Lasota, founder of the Resort LIC Writers Community, joins Jason Tuga to discuss community building, pro tips for running events that tap into your happy place, her history as a performer, and her experience as a creative nonfiction student in the MFA program in creative writing and literary translation at Queens College. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to QC Pod. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Jason. So QC Pod is all about the people and places and ideas that make Queens College such an interesting place. And because of that, I'd like to start with a question that yields some pretty interesting answers, which is, what's the story behind you coming to CUNY? I love that question um, because I love all of my classmates at CUNY and they all have really interesting stories too. So I'm going to be listening to all the episodes to hear all of these answers. But um, I will say that, so I'm at the Queens College CUNY campus getting my MFA in creative nonfiction. And I have lived in New York City now for almost 25 years. I came here after finishing college. Um, And for the last... Mm, eight years of that I've been in Queens and have really developed a severe fondness for this borough in the years that I've been here. Um, And just for public universities generally, and CUNY in particular, I do have a history with CUNY. Um, Early on when I thought I was going to go to architecture school, I took some physics classes at Hunter. Um, So I have taken classes at different universities around the city, and I I worked at Columbia University for about 12 years and recently finished my employment there um, during the pandemic on on my terms, I will say, just to clarify. Um, But having that experience of living in what I think is the best borough of the city and working at a private institution in the city put into focus to me where the communities were that I wanted to be around and where the interesting stories were. And I have been writing for a long time and, as I said, taking classes at different places, some of them writing classes at the new school, private organizations as well, outside of universities. When it came time to say, well, I want to dedicate some more focused space and time on my craft of writing, I did not think of any other institution besides Queens College. I really wanted to be in the borough. I had a lot of experience in publishing in the publishing world in Manhattan through various jobs that I've had. And that situation can be very insular. And um, my experience always living in Queens and, and doing anything in Queens was this is where some exciting stuff is happening that is not inside of that bubble. And it was a space where people really wanted to become better writers at Queens College at CUNY and really wanted to support one another. And I had this sense of real sense of community there. I should say here, I'm at the school now where we all want each other to succeed. And we're also really all doing wildly different things. It's a really exciting energy. So I, I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but that's what drew me there. And that's why I'm happy I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. Getting outside a bubble is always a good idea, I think. 
so you are a writer of nonfiction, a talented writer of nonfiction, and you're also an entrepreneur. And that's a lot for one person to try to handle all at once. Your project now is called Resort LIC. You started it during the pandemic. And I would love it if you would just tell us a little bit about the resort and also where the idea came from and how you got it started. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for reflecting back to me that I'm doing a lot because I feel tired all the time and I forget all that I'm doing. In fact, when people ask what I'm up to, I'll I'll mention the resort or maybe mention some of my writing. And I always forget that I also have two little children. One is five and one is almost three. Um, <laughs> and in addition to the other things that you mentioned, I, I was working full time outside of the resort at Columbia up until a couple of months ago, really. I don't recommend this schedule to anybody, but it's just how I thrived for the first, I guess, 43 years of my life. And now that I'm entering 44, let's pare down to the things we care about, okay, people? Um, but with the resort, so it's called the Resort LIC, LIC standing for Long Island City, where I live and have lived for eight years. And it is a writing community. Our motto is find your happy place and create. And it is a project, yes, that started during the pandemic almost accidentally. It was initially a co-working space for writers. My husband and I signed a lease on a commercial space a few blocks from our house. It was wonderful. We got this sweet deal and we signed the lease in February 2020. And we all know what happened the next month. Um, our idea was that we were going to have this 24-hour space for writers to come. They would have keys. They'd be members. They could sit and write. They could interact with each other, sit anywhere they wanted. We'd have workshops there, sometimes events, just creating a sense of community around writing. There used to be a space in our neighborhood called the Oracle Club that closed a few years before that, and I knew that people were missing that space, and I was missing that space. So that was the origin of the resort. And... We, we kept the space for about a year, a year and a half, um, had to divide it up and use it in different ways. We did have some space for writers. We had some fellowships there and residencies. We also rented offices to people in the neighborhood who were working from home and needed extra space um, to be outside of their small box apartments in Long Island City with all of the new high rises that are going up around us here. Um, I, I live in one of the older buildings, the 100-year-old two-family home style situations, which I love. But, you know, it, it wasn't that kind of interacting with each other in the same way that I wanted it to be initially. So we started doing online programming. And in the summer of 2020, started a membership program for writers, started teaching and hosting classes online, doing AMAs and conversations with people. I, I did a program for a while called Poolside Publishing, where I talked with writers and people in the literary land of Queens. Just trying to connect folks. I would collect addresses from members and mail them things just to have something physical in, in their hands. I, I was really missing this connection with writers. And I can keep saying where it's evolved to now, but I would be remiss to, to not talk about what came before it because it led to its development. Should I talk about that? I think we should get there, but I, I have a couple more questions about the sure. resort before we do. Mm -hmm. First, the organization is called The Resort. You've got the poolside publishing events. You've got your podcast, which is called Cabana Chats, right? And this all seems like it circles back around to the idea of finding your happy place. I'm just wondering, what was the concept behind the naming? 
Aha. Oh, this is a good question. Okay. And I will say, yeah, Poolside Publishing, RIP. We haven't done one of those in a minute, but we're doing other things like happy half hour chats and, and online and things like that. It, the the branding has changed here and there and the naming has changed, but the idea always to bring people together to have a good time. The resort is, we filled this physical space with plants and things that felt relaxing and where you could chill out. And, you know, writing is hard and it's you're often alone and you're sitting at a desk by yourself and people don't think about it always in terms of community or a place where you go to have a vacation or like have that frame of mind so the idea of the resort as a as a name came around that and also you know my husband and I went in on this together initially as with the lease signing at least and we are big um fans of making delicious cocktails at home and that was part of the vibe of of, of this, you know, bar side at the pool, at the cabana, at the resort, and just bringing that sense of writing can be joyful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a teacher of writing and a writing, writer myself, I will say that a playful relationship to it can really loosen things up. So I appreciate that approach. Your motto is find your happy place and create. Do I have right. it right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you have any experiences in organizing the resort where you've witnessed that in action and kind of seen your mission really fulfilling itself? You know, I think some of the, it's certainly online because we had very few experiences of group experiences anyway in the physical space, which I will say we had until the summer of 2021 was when we had to let it go. But in terms of finding your happy place, okay, I will say a couple things that happened in the physical space, creating it was, it was a very open two-floor stories, this kind of airiness that you don't always get living in New York City. And people would come there from their cramped apartments or their bills lying around to this open desk with a beautiful lamp on it or a beautiful plant in the corner and sunlight streaming through. And the mood you could just feel was different in there. And I was um, really lifted up myself around the holidays and whatnot. I would get cards from members there to say Um, thank you so much or a bottle of wine or you know it's like I just people would mm. offer testimonials without me asking and I said well I guess I guess people really are feeling the love here it's nice because we put a lot of love into the space and I I felt like it did make people um, feel good when they came in so that that Mm. part of find your happy place and then online this idea of finding your happy place I think also came into play where I like to facilitate gatherings where everybody feels very welcome and that they're being heard. And so I I do think that we were we've been able to do that for the last couple of years in a way where I've heard people say uh, writers say I've not been in a space before where I felt as open and safe as this. Mm-hmm. I where I, where my you know, I felt like I was part of the community. It wasn't just the cis hetero white patriarchy um, that dominates so many spaces, but it was really a a welcome and opening space for everybody um, and a place where we all learn from each other, really. Like you listen mm-hmm. to each other and you learn from each other. And mm-hmm. so what's happened is that individual friendships have formed from people who've never met in person, who've become each other's accountability buddies, who have weekly phone calls together, who just let each other know that they're not alone in writing. And that, I think, also creates the sense of 
if not a happy place, at least not a lonely and depressed place. Your programming is really robust and you're very active. Can you tell us a little bit about what your events have been recently? I think people would like to know that. Sure. Um, so there's been a there's been a lot of trial and error and me trying a lot of things that I want to do and realizing that if I keep doing all of them, I might burn out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what we've settled on now and and now that I made have made the resort full time focus for me work wise, um, really thinking through what we'll be focusing on, I can say that you mentioned our podcast. We have a podcast called Cabana Chats that is uh, having its second season would be end of March 2022 is the launch for that. And that is a podcast about writing in community where I talk one-on-one with somebody each episode about what community means to their writing life and writing in general. Um, We have a membership program for writers called the Cabana Club. It's a monthly membership program where we meet every week for half hour coffee chats online together. And I offer a prompt to everybody to go around the room and everybody answers this prompt to check in with how their writing is going, how their life is going. The Cabana Club also has an exclusive class every month. I bring in somebody for an hour to talk about pitching or a certain element of craft or um, a generative workshop or, or things like this. And then the Cabana Club also has writing session times online where they get together and just write online together. Right. And we do other things together just as a community online. Then we have a general free network. That's community.theresortlic.com. Anyone can join that for free. And we offer weekly inspiration posts there and check-ins and cheering you on and add resources there. And um, sometimes we have free gatherings there for, for generative workshops as well. Um, Outside of that, we also have resort classes that anyone can register for for a fee. Um, We've had these two-hour one-off sessions so far on things like um, place in memoir or structure of a novel or... um, I'm trying to think of some of some of the ones we've had putting together an essay collection. So for some of these live classes, then we have them as recorded options that people can also purchase and do at their own pace later with additional bonuses and handouts, just trying to get things out in as many different ways. So I do sound overwhelmed still as I'm saying everything, but that's some of the offerings. It's a lot of offerings. What I'm really curious about is who are some of the writers you've brought in to lead classes? Oh, so many. Um, I am lucky to uh, have been working with and volunteering with and writing with so many wonderful people in New York City and beyond for a decade or so now. And I'm drawing on that community to bring them to the resort. And I I don't want to keep these wonderful teachers all to myself. So I want to bring them all to the community. Some people we've had through, we've had... um, uh, Sinel Barnes did a wonderful class. Amy Jo Burns. Jennifer Baker has done a couple of great uh, sessions with us on pitching. Hannah Bay is a fantastic journalist and just just a wonderful coach for writers. Um, we had a fellowship program last fall for um, LGBTQ writers living in New York City. We brought four writers in um, and had one-on-one sessions with them with uh, Brian Gresco and also with Shelley Oria, who is a writer and a creativity coach. Um, oh, who else? Courtney Mom. Uh, we've done a bunch of stuff with and early on we were giving away copies of her book about writing and publishing a book to our members. There is a long, long list. And I will say that as we move further into 2022, I'm also um, 
teaching some classes myself and doing some workshops. I'm currently in the middle of facilitating a 12-week journey through the artist's way with 10 wonderful writers. So that's been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. So look forward to that, people. We got to take that class with Catherine. You have been creating writing communities in New York City and specifically Queens for years now. And I would say the backstory to the resort is the LIC reading series, which I first read in without knowing much about it and had the best time I've ever had doing a reading. It was just the best atmosphere. It felt incredibly inclusive the way that you're describing describing the resort sessions. Uh, people were learning together, thinking together. There was laughter. There was none of that weird competitive vibe in the room. So... How did you get started with the LIC reading series? How would you describe that series? And how how does it stand out from other readings around New York City? Well, thank you for those words, Jason. It really makes me so happy to hear that people who've read there have loved the series so much and they talk about the laughter there. And I've um, I've seen friendships form there and there's even been marriages that have come out of that series. Wow. Uh, Yeah. And... um, what I think like, what's the point of competition? Why are we up there at the mic? You know, it's hard enough. It doesn't matter who you are. It's hard enough to get up in, in front of a room and read your work. I've had writers there who, you know, have, I don't know, eight very successful books under, under in their past. And they come with their newest book to read. And they're still nervous. Like, everybody is nervous uh, to be vulnerable like that. So that that was part of the reasoning and just pushing real hard against that in the other so direction. Can I ask, there's so much to talk about with the LIC reading series, but it seemed really intentional that you created a feeling that circumvented that competitive thing, which can be so per- pervasive. It seemed in- really intentional. And how'd you do it? <laughs> Let me tell you the secrets. Um, Let me see. How did I do it? Um, I will say, just because you mentioned it was in Queens, this is very important to me that it was in Queens. Before I lived in Queens, I lived in Brooklyn and various neighborhoods of Brooklyn for about 15 years. And when I moved to Long Island City, I had always thought I wanted to host a reading series. I had been thinking it for a few years when I moved to Queens. And I thought, well, I don't know. There's like a glut of reading series in Mm -hmm. Brooklyn, in Manhattan. What do I have to offer? I don't just want to put something else there that's this, you know, there's too many things to do every night as it is. Um, And then when I came to Long Island City, I thought, well, I might be able to offer something here that's not here yet. And I spent some time going around the borough, meeting other people who were running reading series, seeing what was happening already in the borough so that I wasn't stepping on toes or duplicating things. And there's a lot of amazing stuff happening in the borough with with poetry readings, with open mics, with uh, et cetera, et cetera. What I decided I wanted to bring because I had the connections to do it also was a series that brought pretty high profile writers and emerging writers together in a borough that they don't always associate with literary New York. Like, put the literary spotlight on Queens, please. There's so many writers here, so many readers here. And early on, I I made sure to book at least one writer per event who was in Queens. And that didn't always happen as we as we went on. But it was a monthly series. I say was because it lasted five years and the pandemic kind of went poof with that in-person event. So the, with the LIC reading series, it was once a month bringing three writers together. And I wanted very much to work with, um, especially living in Long Island City, which is one of the most rapidly developing 
neighborhoods in the city, maybe in the country. Mm. Um, I wanted to work with businesses that had been here a long time. Mm. And I started poking around some of the places I would hang out in the neighborhood. And I one night was talking to the bartender at LIC Bar. And I said, do you guys ever would you do you think you would do a reading event here? And he connected me with the owner. They it turns out LIC Bar, they have this wonderful carriage house in their backyard, which is it has a fireplace mm-hmm. that works. It there it's it's you walk through the backyard to get to it so you feel like you're entering this other world. You can get your stuff at the bar, use the restroom, and then you walk through, you know, the backyard into the carriage house, into this magical space of the reading mm-hmm. series. So there's that kind of entering a space that happens. So you walk into this carriage house and the carriage house would it would seat about 50 people at capacity. Um, and we didn't always have capacity, but it was this intimate space. And LIC Bar and the carriage house and all of that, it's been there for 100 years. So mm-hmm. it has this sense of like this, this has been here a while and there's these new things all around us. And you know, new is great also, but living myself in, in a house that's older than the 59th Street Bridge, I have a real fondness for things that have been around a while. So I think that's part of creating that sense of magic. You know, you walk into the space and it was this beautiful environment. It was wooden chairs people would sit in and Gus uh, worked at LIC Bar and he would help us set up the mics. And it was this sense of, it just felt like, you know, we were just, we were, everybody knew everybody and was involved and, and was very present. So to continue that kind of vibe through the event itself, I've always found that some of the best writers are not always the best readers. Mm. And if you have an event where somebody's reading for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, if if you lose an audience member partway through that, they're gone for the rest of that time. If they drift in the middle of a paragraph and they're like now what's happening and then they're just tapping their foot and waiting for the break so i was very intentional about we're going to do really brief readings i'm going to introduce you in a way that yes gets all the details of your bio but also is fun and maybe has something personal about how i love your writing or whatever and when you're done i'm going to comment upon your writing so you know that you were heard you know pay attention during the readings and we have an intermission and after the intermission, that's when the real fun starts. And uh, we have a discussion, a panel discussion. And I bring these three writers together at the front. Um, I really wanted it, everybody to feel like they were involved. It wasn't us talking to you, audience. So one fun thing that we did was something I called the Magic Silver Box. And it was a shoebox covered in uh, silver wrapping paper that I insisted was magic because I believed it was magic. And throughout the intermission, I invited audience members to put questions for the readers in the box. And I would pull them randomly out during the discussion to ask them. What this did was it got people who were shy to write questions if they didn't want to speak in front of people. It gave me a little bit of control as the host if I, you know, if I wanted to kind of look at them and pick one out. Um, But it was pretty random. And it got people thinking about the readings during the intermission. It also was fun because I had raffle prizes. So another way that I worked with local businesses was I would have things donated from local businesses that you could win if your question was chosen and asked. And we kept it really surprising. I would say, you know, your question might be asked of anyone up here. Don't don't make it specific to one writer. We wanted it to feel like every writer there was equally important. I didn't want a whole box of questions for Joe mm. and like mm. Sally and Susie were also whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that helped a lot. And, uh, 
I just I tried to keep things unexpected. People can get really inside their own heads when they get nervous. So I would I would do silly things like I think it's really careful balance in doing this kind of stuff and not maybe coming across too clownish, but I would I would choose who would get the first question by saying, I'm thinking of an animal that has four legs. Can you guess what that animal is? And whichever writer guessed the animal that was closest to the animal in my head got the first question. And that would just create laughter in the audience because like what's closest to gir- a giraffe? A platypus or, you know, an alligator? I don't know. Let's yeah. talk about it. So in that role at LIC, you are producer, you are host, you're organizer. As host, you're also partly entertainer. And I think I have this right. Weren't you in bands for a long time? (laughs) Um, I do have a music background. I grew up classically trained on the French horn, and then I studied singing for a while. So I did some singer-songwriting stuff myself around New York, and I also played French horn in some bands when chamber pop was big in the early aughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did that experience help you when you were thinking about how to devise the experience of the reading series? Oh, 100%. I know that one of the reasons I wanted to host a reading series is because I like to perform. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to own up to that. I I like being in front of people um, and not taking the spotlight for myself, but creating, you know, I'm comfortable up there. And if I'm comfortable up there, Mm -hmm. I hope it helps other people feel comfortable up there. And speaking of your ties to community businesses, you also had a partnership with Astoria Bookshop, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Very important to me to support independent bookstores. And for several years, Astoria Bookshop was the only uh, general interest, general purpose bookstore in the whole borough of Queens. The only one. Wow. And from day one at the LIC Reading Series, from our very first event, we partnered with them and with Lexi, the owner there, to sell books of our writers at the events. And they were there every single event. We actually had one, I, I want to say we had one really special event. I, uh, be- before, before I move into that, though, I want to say we do have other bookstores in Queens now. Hallelujah. We need more. Um, it's, it's all fantastic. But I have a really special place in my heart for Astoria Bookshop. They're fantastic. Check them out for sure. But we did have one event, and Astoria Bookshop, I, they were just game for whatever we wanted to try. It was fantastic, where I booked John Leguizamo to come for one of our events. And that's, that's a bigger and different audience than we would normally have at the series. You know, he's an actor and a comedian, and he had a graphic novel that had just come out that was or a graphic memoir based on one of his stand-up routines called Ghetto Clown. So we partnered with the Story Bookshop, and for that event only we were not in the carriage house we shut down the entire lic bar he read that night with he didn't read i was in conversation with him because it's hard to read from a graphic memoir and have it really come across uh if you can't have projection in the space which we didn't at that time but he was there that night with mira jacob and tracy o'neill and in order to gain entry to the closed bar you had to buy one of their books in advance. And Astoria Bookshop was at the front um, with all the books and they brought extras. And then we used the carriage house as the signing room. John Leguizamo, real Queens hero, man. He was there till the bitter end, talking to everybody, hugs, uh, photographs, really caring about the people who showed up to that event. Wow. I'm sad I missed that. So fantastic. Guess what? You can watch video recording of it on the LICreadingseries.com website. And we do have uh, recordings of a lot of these events that are on the LIC Reading Series podcast. All right. That's awesome. So as we get 
near the end of the interview, I would love to know what the experience of studying creative writing in the MFA program at Queens has added to your life. Oh man, so much. I, I initially enrolled in the program really for a practical purpose of I need to be in a formal program for my writing to force myself to give writing the time that it needs because I have all of these other commitments. So I went into the program with this in mind, saying if I'm in classes, if I'm working towards a thesis, I'm, I'm going to give my writing the space that it needs. And that was the initial reasoning. But then what's been so wonderful about the program, and I knew this going in, but to experience it is, is different. It's so cross-genre. It's so open to people experimenting across writing in different ways. And we take classes with each other. So some of my, with I'm saying I'm a nonfiction writer. So I'm in classes with fiction writers and poets. And some of the most awesome students I've been in class with are the translation students. Mm -hmm. And bringing this perspective to the conversations has been so wonderful. Um, and the opportunity to take classes at other campuses. I'm taking a literature class at the Graduate Center now with Nancy K. Miller. That's fantastic. And I'm in it with two other Queens College MFA students, one of whom I've partnered with to um, have regular accountability. We sent each other work every week now outside of our classes. And that's not something I managed to have before I started this program. Well, that's great to hear. Is there anything coming up at the resort that you'd like people to know about? Definitely. Thank you for asking. Definitely um, check out the Cabana Chats podcast. We have some really fantastic guests on season two that I'm excited about. Um, I would love any writers out there looking for support. Please come to our free online community, community.theresortlic.com, because that's where we announce everything first with classes, with membership stuff, anything else going on. I'm going to be offering some different um, kinds of classes, workshops, accountability, coaching type things myself through the resort if people would like to work with me directly. And um, yeah, we have a weekly newsletter. I didn't mention before, but if you get on our mailing lists, I get to connect with you every week and I would love that. Excellent. Catherine Lasota, Making Things Happen. It's my new tagline for you. Thank you so much for being here. It's really a bonus to have you be a part of QC Pod. It's been so fun. I'm so excited to have been on QC Pod. Thanks for having me, Jason. It's been fun. You've been listening to the QC Pod, the podcast that's about all things Queens College. Thanks again to Kathleen Soda for coming on and talking to Jason Tuka. Our theme music is Lake Monsters by John Flansburg if they might be giants. QC Pod is a production of the Queen's Podcast Lab. To learn more, we're on Twitter at QC Pod or visit us at queenspodcastlab.org slash QC Pod. I'm Anthony Borelli. Thanks for listening.